And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the Wednesday edition. Yep, it's the hump day edition of The Real Investment Show as we get ready to wrap up the month, right? You know, Monday's going to be Halloween. October's over. What does that mean? Of course, November tends to be a, you know, a much better month um, in terms of the year. Normally, bear markets historically have ended in October. Not saying that's the case here, but normally October tends to mark the lows for the market of any given year, particularly coming out of the weaker summertime, you know, activity. And then, of course, you have the stronger six months of the year starting really kind of in November through May of next year. So again, you'll kind of in that, starting into that move of a little bit better monthly performance doesn't necessarily mean the bull market's back by any stretch of the imagination, but we do have a few things as we've been talking about last few days uh, that are gonna help. Now today, unfortunately, um, we're gonna have a little bit of a, a struggle here in this morning when the markets open. Now yesterday, the markets ran right into the 50-day moving average. So this is gonna be the first test of resistance yesterday. Um, markets hit the 50-day moving average, really kind of bounced off of that right into the close just a little bit. So again, first test of that 50-day moving average yesterday. Now this morning, markets are gonna be pointing lower at the open. The s and is down about 25 points right now. Not too bad on the S&P. NASDAQ a lot worse though because of the weighting of technology stocks in that index. And of course, yesterday after the bell, both Microsoft and Google reported disappointing earnings. Both of those stocks can be down about 6% this morning. So it's gonna, and, and again, given the market cap size weighting of those stocks, it's gonna drag the whole market down this morning a bit. And so the key is gonna be here that markets hold this 3,800 level that we broke through yesterday. So that was kind of that first break of resistance. Markets need to kind of hold that level today uh, and turn that previous resistance, which was these tops of the markets that we kind of challenged back in, in early October, you know, right after the, the month of October started, we had those two strong rally days, rallied right to 3,800, failed there, tested, set new lows with the CPI report mid-month, have now rallied back above that level. So, so again, we need to hold that 3,800 level today on the S&P. That's going to be important here if we're going to keep this bull market rally kind of going here uh, through the end of the year. Um, and then eventually we're going to, have to try to get above that 50-day moving average. So that's going to, so we've got this kind of a very tight window now. Markets are going to work in here at least for the next few days. But again, as we move into the month of November, we'll get more earnings behind us here. Uh, the Federal Reserve, of course, next week. What are they going to say? One thing that could help lift markets next week is maybe a little bit more softer language, a little bit more softer language. That's Grammarly for you this morning. Uh, my, my, my Grammarly app is not working. Um, well, we may have some softer language relative to the aggressiveness of Fed rate hikes uh, going into uh, the, the next couple of months. So again, there is a, you know potential here as we start getting into next month and, and kind of get this month of October behind us. So again, though, this morning, though, the uh, again, interesting yesterday, uh, Microsoft's earnings were okay, um, but disappointing on outlook and their cloud revenue actually slowed down a bit. So, you know, that's been one of the hot areas for the market and particularly earnings growth. Amazon is another key, key area to look at. Um, you know, they have that big, you know, cloud service business, AWS, 
And that's been a big driver of the revenue. That's been the revenue generator, so to speak, for Amazon because retail uh, on the retail side has not been generating that much income uh, relative to that in terms of revenue growth and those type of things. So we may see some disappointment in Amazon's earnings if the cloud service is starting to slow down here. Um, after this, you know, kind of this pandemic driven boom that we had, everybody moving online, wanting to work from home, those type of things. Um, we'll see, potentially, we could see that way on Amazon on Thursday, because on Thursday we have both Apple and Amazon reporting on Thursday. So today uh, is, is Facebook Meta, whatever their name is now. So <laughs> uh, they're reporting today as well. But the problem for Facebook potentially is going to be ad revenue growth, which has already been slowing for Facebook. But yesterday, Google reported a slowdown in ad revenue growth, particularly on YouTube, um, as basically a contraction in ad spending for things like cryptocurrency and other things. All that kind of, you know, big boom in advertising that they had in 2020, 2021, as crypto really kind of just took off and everybody was running, you know, crypto commercials, etc. Even for the Super Bowl, if you don't, if you don't uh, remember that. Um, all that ad revenue would slow down because crypto's not done anything. Um, you know, we talked about the other day, it needs like one of those Met Alert buttons because <laughs> it's fallen and it can't get up. Um, but <laughs> so we'll see what happens here. But, but again, this could be a kind of a tough week for the markets uh, in terms of earnings. Now, what's going to be important, though, is finding out whether, or really kind of finding out how much of all this has already been priced into these stocks. So today, again, markets are kind of knee-jerk reaction. Uh, both Microsoft and Google are going to sell off about 6% this morning. What will be interesting is how much those stocks recover during the day, if at all. Right. So if they go down and stay down and go lower, well, that wasn't priced in enough yet. So but if they do come down here and then bottom and then start to rally, maybe a lot of that bad news has already gotten priced into earnings. We're going to find out today. We'll watch the price action, um, particularly in those stocks, because that'll kind of be a good tell about where we are currently in terms of valuations, uh, expectations for future growth and you know expectations for recovery we'll, we'll see what happens here but so it'll be important to kind of watch what happens today but really kind of keep a watch on that 3800 level for the markets because again that's going to be the the kind of that key first test of support and resistance as we start to look at that the other side yesterday was is that we've also seen a very sharp rally in bonds yesterday bonds have had been under a lot of selling pressure as of late because of potential mortgage rebalancing and, and, and potential mortgage hedging. Uh, Michael Leibowitz has a really good article about this this morning about what happens with mortgage bonds and how uh, mortgage bond issuers have to hedge. And that may have been contributing a lot to the selling pressure and longer dated treasuries here lately. Yesterday, um, those treasuries up about two and a half percent. So again, we've gotten extremely oversold here. Uh, in longer dated treasuries. Saw a nice bounce yesterday. We'll see if we get some follow through um, with that, particularly as we start to get in November. And if there's an expectation of the Fed starting to slow down rate hikes, we may start to see more of a gravitation 
uh, back towards longer dated treasuries. So, you know, kind of keep a watch on that as well. Lastly, as I said, I kind of, you know, making a quick joke about you know, cryptocurrency. Um, but, uh, you know, cryptocurrency has just been stuck. It's been, like I, I said, it's fallen and can't get up. It has literally been trading at the same level now ever since June of this year. It has literally gone nowhere at this point. So again, you know, it's very unusual to see something trade this flat for this long. But, uh, but again, this is what's been going on with cryptocurrency. Uh, and that's why really, you know, as, as you know, when something does that for a while, it just kind of becomes, uh, uh, you know, loses interest. And this is why, you know, particularly Google and YouTube, you know, which is where a lot of that promotion goes, uh, people creating YouTube channels, those type of things to promote a certain product or certain service, whatever it is, starting to see that ad revenue dry up because there's just not really any attention being paid to this right now because it's just not doing anything. Uh, it's, it's a big, it's a much different story when it's going from 2,000 to 60,000 versus going to 20,000 and staying there. <laughs> so you know, all the stories about people converting their contracts to cryptocurrency, I want to be paid in Bitcoin and all that. Uh, yeah, when was the last time you heard anything about that? So, so again, until Bitcoin starts to show some signs of life, which, you know, it eventually will at some point, um, that may continue to weigh on, on, on that aspect as well. All right, so coming up today, we've got, a lot of, got several articles to get into this morning about things that are coming up, particularly when it comes to Americans and savings and what's happening with their books and, you know, what they're doing to spend and make ends meet, right? Uh, so that's coming up this morning. Danny Ratliff will be joining me right after the break. Get by the website, Michael Leibowitz's new article talking about mortgage bonds and treasury rates and, and yields. That's on the website right now, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year. Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Health and financial security touches everyone within your organization. Offering benefits for all doesn't need to be complicated. Hi, I'm Tom Allen, Senior Benefits Consultant at RIA Advisors. RIA Benefits provides independent expertise to find solutions that speak to the mission of your business, the culture you want to establish, and the budget you are able to work within. Book a free consultation with me at realinvestmentadvice.com retirement, and we'll find a solution that takes care of your most important asset your people. Realinvestmentadvice.com slash retirement. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, or again, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. Bulls win in bull markets. Bears win in bear markets. Eagles soar above and take advantage of opportunity. Let us help you soar as you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors, 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. 
Andy Ratliff joining me this morning. So, as I said uh, just for the break, uh, markets going to be pretty weak here at the open this morning. Uh, Nasdaq's going to be the weakest. It's going to be down probably about one and a half, uh, one and three quarters percent this morning at the open because basically the drag that they're getting from the major tech stocks. Uh, Meta's already down this morning about four and a half percent. You know, on expectations, they're probably going to miss earnings because of weak ad revenue growth after, you know, following up on what happened with Google and their ad revenue growth as well. Again, you know, the risk now is on Thursday with uh, with Amazon because of the weak cloud service revenue from Microsoft. Uh, that stock may trade down as well in sympathy this morning. So, again, uh, it's going to be a pretty tough day right here at the open. Um, what will be important, though, is where the markets kind of find support today. And if we start to see some buying in some of these major cap stocks, because maybe some of this has already been priced in uh, to these stock prices because of the recent decline. So we'll see. Well, this is you know, we'll talk some more about this tomorrow. Um, but, you know, this is going to be kind of the you know, important um, kind of aspect of the trade today to watch. So, um, Danny, good morning. Welcome. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, so basically, Americans are, you know, not drinking enough milk. Yeah. Yeah. Because apparently, I did not know this, but the government buys excess dairy production. So we used to drink about half a cup of milk every day. We're down okay. to about a third of a cup every day because now people are, you know, milking everything. They're milking almonds and pecans and peanuts and cats and raccoons, you know, whatever. Um, but I see signs everywhere to drink milk. I mean, it's got to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're just milking everything now. So, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Not, I'm not sure whose job that is to sit there and milk an almond, but you know there you, there you go. That's that's what's going on. But so yeah, oh, we're drinking man. less dairy milks. But I did not know the government buys the excess milk and converts it to cheese. Did you know we have strategic cheese reserves? No, no I did not know this Say either. That again. Strategic cheese reserves. We have you know so <laughs> we're tapping. We're you know we're tapping into the strategic petroleum reserve. You know to get down the price of gas. Did you know we have a strategic cheese reserve we can tap into to lower the price but, of cheese? But hold on, wait a second. So I don't a strategic know strategic kind of cheese reserve. Yes. What type of uh, one excess? Point, what's the one, carbon footprint with this? I, I mean, seriously. I, I have no idea, but it's 1.5 billion pounds of cheese. Where do you store this stuff? In an underground dome, just like you do with oil. I did not know any of this, right? Wow. <laughs> So this is as of August 2022, the U.S. had 1.5 billion pounds of cheese in cold storage across the country. It's about $3.4 billion worth of cheese. That's amazing. So there's going to be a lot of constipated people at some point. I just, what kind of cheese is it? I mean, do they make a special type of cheese that stores longer? Is this like, you know, Wisconsin cheddar sharp or is it Swiss cheese? Well, this is, is government various, cheese, right? Huh? This is government cheese? Gov government cheese. So it's, Gov it's, it's government. American cheese. cheese. It's, 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 well, is it though? <laughs> they don't tell you what type of cheese. Do they make various types of cheese? I don't know. I don't know either. All I know is, is we have 1.5 billion pounds uh, of cheese in storage. If, if there's holes in that story, it's Swiss. That's, that would be correct. Anyway, stuff you learn. We've been trying to I make... I had no idea. You know, Michelle's on a hippie kick, right? I mean, well, she always is. Um, a hippie kick? Well, I mean, you know, we try to eat very well. Live we, off the we, land, you know. We, we haven't got that far own, yet. Grow your own vegetables. She's Harvest like, hey, what do you think about chickens in the backyard? I'm like, no. <laughs> Harvest your lawn clippings. Exactly. <laughs> and I would be okay with it, but um, HOA, I'm sure, would, would not. Chickens. So I don't want to deal with that. But she's been trying to make, or she's been trying to get me to make 
um, Cheetos out of cheese. And evidently you can, but you have to have the right kind of cheese. So I could use a little bit of that. Wait, Mr. Cheetos. You're going to make Cheetos. You can make home? it evidently out of Parmesan cheese by sticking it in the microwave. I didn't know you had to do Parmesan. She sends me some videos saying, hey, you look, you can make Cheetos. Kids, don't try this at home. Yeah, no. Do not. Because I tell you what, you're going to be pretty <laughs> disappointed. Exactly. Because it's, it's whatever the orange dust is, yeah. that's what makes oh, a Cheeto. Oh, yeah. 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 Now I'm totally disappointed about Cheetos. Oh, hey, I'm going to get this down. <laughs> you're going to know. All right. Whole, whole office going to smell like cheese. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in your office. Already does. Hey, no. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so let's get to work here. At Thanksgiving. what point did you lose control of the show? At 621. <laughs> uh, it went off the rail. Thanksgiving's going to cost you a lot more this year, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> according to, you know, because we talk about inflation and kind of what's going on and people trying to make ends meet, et cetera, the U.S. Department of Agriculture show that 8 to 16-pound turkeys will cost $1.99 per pound last week. So that's up from $1.15 a year ago. So that is nearly a 100% increase in the cost of turkey, which is why we're doing brisket this year. Well, I think a lot of people are going to have to start thinking outside the box and, and try to figure something else out because costs are just, yeah. they're up exponentially. Yeah. Uh, boneless ham has increased 13.6% in September from a year ago, five fifty a pound. So do ham over turkey, apparently. White potatoes have spiked 27.7% to $1.02 per pound, while white bread has climbed 10.7% to $1.75, and a gallon of fresh whole milk has surged 16.6% because you're not drinking enough. It's now four eighteen a gallon for a gallon of milk. So, but with the strategic cheese reserve, the cheese cheaper. <laughs> so queso for everyone. Well, if the government, if if the government wasn't buying so much of the dairy milk, right, that wasn't getting sold, then you'd have an excess supply of milk that didn't have a buyer. That which we means have pushed the prices down. Would push the prices down. So wait, we can blame this inflation on somebody? Inflation on someone? We can blame it on the government. Is the Fed in this whole cheese equation? I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that yeah. they're, they're buying, you know, Everything milk, milk bonds somewhere. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me at all. Overall, food prices have soared over the last year with the BLS food index climbing at an annualized pace of 11.2%. Grocery store spikes uh, prices have spiked 13% year over year in September, while the cost of visiting a restaurant has risen 8.5%. Eight, uh, eight so again, you know, we just talk about inflation. And, you know, the big difference, and, and this was what Nancy Pelosi said the other day, is like, everybody has inflation. What's important is the cost of living. Uh, that's the inflation is going into the cost of living, right? So, you know, the cost of doing everything, buying food and milk and all these type of things that families have to do. And again, you don't have a choice, right? Well, Danny does. Um, you know, but normally you're, you as families, you have to feed your kids. It's kind of, you know, required. Um but, you know, there's, you know, families don't have that choice not to do that. And here's the interesting thing is they're now having to put those purchases on debt, uh, basically use a credit card at, at, the, at the grocery store to buy groceries. So not only are they paying more for groceries, now that's, now it's a debt form that's going to have an interest payment on top of it. So by the time they get their groceries paid off, they'll pay two or three times what the value of those groceries are. So, you know, but this is the struggle that a large chunk of Americans, meaning I just I just did a, a chart this morning. I put it out on Twitter um, showing the share of income that is 
owned by the top 20% of income earners versus the bottom 80% of income earners. The, the, the top 20% of income earners have seen a steady increase of their share of earnings growth. The bottom 80% have had a steady decrease over the last 20, 30 years of their share of income. The top 5% have had soaring increases in their income. So basically, all of the income growth in the top 20% of income earners belongs to the top 5%. So, you know, this is that wealth extraction that we talk about in the economy. But for the bottom 80%, you know, you hear a lot of these stories about how healthy the consumer is because they have all these personal savings. Not anymore. Yeah, that's it's it's all in the top 5% of income earners that have the savings. Well, it's just like when you look at the average account balance. You know, there's a lot of stories that are really misleading when they talk about, here's what the average person has at 20 years old, at 30 years old, right. at 40, at 50, at 60. And especially once you get up in the, in the 60 and 70, you know, age range, that changes significantly where, you know, they say, oh, well, the average is 300,000. But I bet that's changed now. Yeah, yeah. But the median is like 80. Yeah. So it's skewed by those top accounts. Yeah. Well, you know, every year uh, Fidelity comes out with their 401k millionaire list. Mm -hmm. And they, they so every year Fidelity publishes out a, a number and says, we had 735,000 new 401k millionaires this year, whatever it was, right? Well, if you calculate the number of accounts that are now million dollars accounts relative to the total number of 401k accounts they have, Guess what percentage it is, Danny? Very small. 1%. Yeah. It's the top 1%, right? Exactly what you expect, right? So, you know, the top 1%, they have a million dollars. The other 99% don't. And to Danny's point, if you do the calculation on it, the the once you strip out those top 20% of accounts, the average account is about one year salary, which is $55,000. So, you know, it just, it just doesn't quite get you there in terms of, you know, which will keep you at the poverty yeah. level, yeah. right? And, and if you take look, if you look at the cost of living for a family of four going back to 1950 and adjust that for inflation, today that's about $75,000. The average median income in the country is 55000 So that's why, you know, I do this. I do this chart every now and then that I publish out showing the income gap um, for the majority of households, which shows the difference between income and savings versus the cost of living inflation adjusted and how much individuals have to go into debt every year just to meet that standard of living. And that's now at the highest level on record. There, you know, Basically, families have to pull in about $7,000 worth of debt every year just to make ends meet, which is why we continue to have these big increases in the, the rate of consumer credit growth. Because it's just, they, they, got, they got to get the money from somewhere because they got to pay bills. Yeah, no, and it's substantial. So I think we, let's get into that a little bit on the other side yep. of the break and some of those numbers because... It is actually uh, pretty eye-opening if you don't think that we have inflation and people are being hurt, because they certainly are. Exactly. So, American personal savings, where are they now? We'll talk about that after the break with Danny Ratliff. Don't go away.
The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year. Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. Danny Ratliff, of course, joining me as well. Talking a little bit about, so just for the break, talking a little bit about, you know, the financial situation of the vast majority of Americans. And, and again, this is important for a lot of reasons. And when it comes to investing, it's critically important. And the reason that is, and, and we'll get into these numbers here in just a second. But if you take a look at market cap to GDP, right? So that is the value of the stock market relative to economic growth. The stock market cannot outgrow the economy for an extended period of time. It can't because economic activity, what people are buying and doing and trading in the economy, is where the revenues for companies come from. And so just a function of reality is, is that if revenues come from economic activity and earnings come from revenues, you, you can't have market cap to GDP of 150 to 200 percent, which is we were at 200 percent of debt to G, uh, market cap to GDP last year. We're down to 150. Right. We're sort of trimming that off here a little bit. But you, you can't have that. Right. Eventually, you got to have this reversion uh, to get the market capitalization back in line with economic growth. And so the problem, the challenge going forward for everybody hoping that, hey, we're just going to get through this bear market and then we're going to go back into the roaring, you know, the roaring 20s, so to speak. Um, remember all those articles at the beginning of 2020? Mm. We're in the roaring 20s. I was like, Next no, we're not. Next decade is going to be great. Yeah. yeah, no, we're not. Uh, <laughs> I wrote some articles about how stupid that was. Um, but, you know, it just, you're, you're, we're not going to get back into that because, again, you have to get the markets back. You have to assume that profit margins and earnings can stay at these historically high elevated rates forever to justify current valuations. And you can't do that. Right. It just that just won't happen. Well, you've got a demographic issue. You also have a, a savings issue. And so those things are yep. tied. They're hand in hand. I think a lot of people forget that if there's no money. Where's the activity? Come where, from? Yeah. Where, where, you, where do the corporations make money? They make money from us historically. Right. And so you, you can go into debt to keep your spending up. But again, well, hey, that's what they're to doing that. to keep their prices up, their stock prices. Exactly. <laughs> that's true. But there, there's a limit, right? And, yeah. and so this is kind of the, the problem of where Americans are right now. I mean, there's a real savings problem. Yeah, there's a huge savings problem. So if we look at the, the numbers, in fact, they have fallen off a cliff, literally. I mean, so we are at uh, $629 billion in the second quarter of 2022 is what the uh, personal savings of Americans went down to. And you may say, wow, that's a lot of money, $629 billion. Well, hold on. 2020, we had over $4 trillion. Now, granted, nobody was doing anything. We're all stuck in our home. Um, nobody was going out and nobody felt really good about the economy. So you certainly weren't spending money if you didn't have to. But- Everyone was receiving what? Stimulus checks. Uh, 2021, it was up to $1.98 trillion. So we've seen this fall three to four times. It's gone down. And so, but you say, okay, well, what, what was it prior to the pandemic? Well, even prior to the pandemic, it was $1.41 trillion in 2019. So 
we have gone through a lot of what people had in the bank. And inflation certainly hasn't helped. Higher interest rates have not helped. Um, credit card debt has gone through the roof. We're actually up 13% year over year. The most we've seen in the last 20 years in, in that regard. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody talks about, you know, we used to hear the banks even a couple of months ago saying the, the consumer is extremely healthy, a lot of money in bank accounts. I don't know if they can keep saying that. And I haven't heard that. I didn't hear well, that with earnings here last no, week from banks. It, you didn't. And again, when you go back and look at those savings where they're held, right, it's it's the top the top 20 yeah. to top 10 to 20 percent of income earners but i mean if what did you say it was 620 billion dollars in savings 629 yep so and there's roughly about 220 million households in america give or take i'm just ballparking here so yeah that's about you know two thousand bucks a household and the majority of that's held by you know the top Ten percent, mm-hmm. right? So again, so and again, we and that makes sense, right? Because if well, you, not even right, two thousand households. We know most people can't meet a four hundred. Well, I was just spent. about to say that, right? So again, you take two thousand out of that, you give the two thousand to the upper end because we know that the bottom eighty percent they can't come up with five hundred dollars to meet an emergency. Yeah. So you know that's so that makes so you, to your point, six hundred twenty nine billion sounds like a lot in savings, right? But you know, it's it's not that much relative once you start to spread it out across families, households, individuals, you know, Correct. those type of things. And, you know, I'm probably high on my calculation anyway, but, you know, it's, you know, that's, I think that's a real challenge. But again, that's, that's a function of consumption. You know, how much do they have to spend to make ends meet? And with the cost of everything going up, they're not buying, and, that's, and this is the, the real challenge, right? People, you know, when you look at retail sales, as an example, and say, oh, we had um, you know an increase of 1.1% last month in retail sales. People weren't buying more stuff. They were just paying more for it because we measure retail sales in dollar volume, right? How many dollars were spent? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm buying a I'm buying a turkey that cost me twice as much as it did last year. I'm paying, you know, four dollars for a gallon of milk, and I can't get any free cheese from the government. So <laughs> You know, it's just, you know, that's the problem, though. We, we measure everything in dollar volume, not quantity volume. And you know, that if we measured retail sales in quantities, oh, I think vastly we, different. Uh, yeah, I think they'd be very different. Yeah, because we're still spending the same amount, but we're getting a lot less. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's going to be the issue. So what does the fourth quarter really look like? You know, the next two months, earnings have been fairly decent. Well, until yesterday. Yeah, until yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> But but a lot of that so that makes sense though because what do companies cut back on historically is yeah, advertising back. marketing it's usually the first areas that you cut. So I mean if you look at Amazon mm-hmm. Web Services you look at Google, Microsoft, it kind yeah. of adds up. Well and again you know and again we have to keep and, and part of that we have to do is we also have to look at, you know, this year versus last year right because again over the last two years we were sending a lot of money to households right so mm-hmm. they had a lot of money to spend. So people were running a lot more ads because people had more money to spend. So they could they were get they were making more money. So they were spending more of their ad revenue. So now that that money's evaporated and that money's no longer there, yeah. you know, you know, and this is this is one of the the interesting things we're watching out of government right now. So you know, President Biden recently claimed victory over reducing the deficit. Right? Well, he didn't reduce the deficit at all. It just the money that we that was put into the economy using debt which created a, a massive deficit has now evaporated. So we're not just issu- we're just not issuing as much debt. We didn't reduce anything, right? The debt's still there by the way, but we just don't calculate it 
because we look at the year-over-year rate of changes in debt. So it looks like, yes, the debt was reduced, but we didn't reduce anything. We just didn't issue any more money. But the problem is that money's now flowed out of the system. It's been spent. So it's moved from the poor to the rich, and, and that's, that's where it is now. So, But you take a look at cloud services, a good example. To PC sales, another good example. Everybody went out and were buying cloud services and they were buying home computers to work from home. Now they're going back to the office. So don't need it anymore. And I've already got a new computer, so I don't need to buy another one. So all these big declines that you're seeing in ad rapid revenue and PC sales and cloud services, that's just a reversion to the mean. We're just returning back to normal after a very abnormal period. I don't know, Lance. I mean, these computers with these bad chips, they may be getting selling a lot more. <laughs> it was all a ploy. It was. Come by. We, we've got a stock. Great. Come on. Yeah. The chip from 1927. Suckers. But yeah. Yeah. It's going to work for about a year at yeah. max. Danny's complaining because his computer is just already, he got a new computer and it's already mm-hmm. crapping out. So, hey, Dell, I'm, I'm looking at you. <laughs> so, but, but so back to the savings issue. This, you know, this, but this is a problem, right? Because again, this is where you know the money comes from for creating growth and sales and and driving economic growth. And you know the Fed's going okay. We're, and, and now not only do you have savings running out, but now you got the Fed hiking rates, which is making everything more expensive for people who are running out of savings. Yeah, it, it's it's not a good a good a good issue. It, it's it's going to become more significant if this continues. The, the yeah. further and the longer this goes with higher rates, inflation, if it stays persistent. Like you said, high inflation is going to cure high inflation, and that's exactly what's happening. Because yeah. people run out of money. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I guess you know, this is one of those points to where, you know, what's the advice that you have for people to start trying to turn that around? Or can you at this point? I mean. Yeah, no, I think you can. I mean, I think the problem is that you can't do what you historically did where people were refinancing. They were consolidating debt. I mean, now people are living off of debt. So now maybe you're doing things a little different. Maybe you're switching from credit card to credit card, trying to pay 0% interest, but you've got to cut back. And so that four letter word budget that nobody likes to hear. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find any 0% interest no. anymore either. Well, you're finding some still. There's still some out there. There's actually some, uh, even with automakers, some lower interest loans. But that lower interest where it was free is like 4% now. Yeah. So you're not finding you know, what we did you know, several, even six months oh. ago, a year ago. Um, now, that may change, but I think we've got some pent-up demand in some ways because, one, we haven't had vehicles, per se. Um, and, two, they've just been so expensive. So things come down, people may be more inclined to buy. Um, oh, no doubt. You know, that's what, you know, but that's what will happen coming out of an economic recession, right? You, you get pent-up demand. But the issue is going to be also is that who's going to be able to afford it? Right. I mean, if you can't put money down, I mean, they're going to have to be giving these things away. It's going to be back to that old scenario that gets everybody in trouble again and gets people upside down because now we're buying an asset that we don't really have any equity in. We're not paying yeah. it down. We're just paying the interest. And that's where people get into another issue. So, look, at the end of the day, you're just going to have to look at your household and understand where are your funds going. And that's one thing I think that the, the most successful people we work with, they understand where their money goes. They understand how money comes in. They have multiple sources of income and, you know, not all, but a lot. And that's where these guys are most successful. And so if you can understand um, the inflow and the outflow, that's going to give you the leg up, yeah. especially in this environment. I mean, it's, it's basic and everybody knows it. But nobody wants to do it. Yeah. You know, that goes to this tight labor market we have. Yeah. Interesting report out this morning that there's a lot of people that are working two and three full-time jobs because they can work from home 
and they don't reveal to their employers that they're working yeah. three full-time jobs for three different companies. Well, doesn't the Department of Labor, didn't he just come out and say that he wants to change how they, yeah. they look at those? Yeah, it's coming. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Uh, if you're planning on tax loss harvesting, uh, we'll talk about what you need to know about that because, again, this is going to be a good opportunity heading into the end of the year uh, to take advantage of some of these losses to offset some future gains. We'll talk about that when we come back from the break with Danny Ratliff. Don't go away. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com the end of the year is fast approaching what will the new year bring join richard rosso danny ratliff and lance roberts for our year-end economic review special event tuesday november 15th how to address higher taxes in the new year should you delay your retirement in 2023 what will the midterm elections mean for markets register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. That's funny. And welcome back to the show this morning. 647. Uh, future still pointing down this morning. Um, Dow's down about 33 points. S&P's down about 34. NASDAQ's down 195. Uh, again, the big drag there is going to be big tech stocks this morning. Uh, and it may be kind of sector specific. We may see tech stocks underperforming today and may see some other you know, stocks doing fairly well. So you know, we'll see kind of how the market shapes up this morning um, uh, once we get it open. And of course, we'll uh, you know, update you tomorrow as to kind of what the next strategy is. But one of the, the strategies to start thinking about, we've talked about this on the show a couple of times, is that you know early this year we we came into this year holding about 70 percent equity in our 60 percent portfolio so we were overweight equity coming into the, the beginning of this year and we reduced that by about half early this year so we took a bunch of gains and now as we get into the end of the year um you know we want to do some tax loss harvesting to basically be able to offset some of those gains a little bit when it comes tax time now this is for taxable accounts. Doesn't work in IRAs, but I'll let Danny kind of explain what tax loss harvesting is and is not. Yeah, so I know you talked about this Monday a little bit, but I thought this would be a good opportunity to kind of jump in and talk a little bit about what this means. Also, um, what type of taxes you could be subject to with capital gains tax. Now, keep in mind, there's been lots of legislation to potentially change this and increase this, or make it actually ordinary income. Um, so, one short-term capital gains if it's less held less than one year. It will be considered ordinary income. Long-term capital gains are going to be at long-term capital gain rates, either 0, 15, or 20%. So there is a 0% tax bracket, which is one thing I wanted to get into and discuss in a little bit more detail as far as you know how you could actually uh, be in that 0%. And so one thing that, that, that the basis of this is essentially any gains. Let's say you had a gain of, of $10,000 and you're going into the end of the year, but you have another investment that's been down $10,000. It's just basically a, you want to offset it. And so you sell something. Now, you cannot go back. When we sell something at a loss, we do have to go buy something different or wait 30 days so it's not considered a wash sell, uh, meaning that they'll disallow that loss. And so we want to make sure that you, you go by those rules. But at the end of the day, we're just offsetting that gain, and so that way you don't have a, a taxable event. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the really the, the ground fundamental basics of it. 
Now, um, now, real quick though, you can offset short-term gains against short-term gains, long-term gains versus long-term gains, but you can't offset a short-term gain. Yeah, you can offset them all against each other. Okay, you can. So, so you want to be able to look at this and understand. Now, generally, you you're going to offset those first, and then also, if you have a large loss, you're going to be able to carry it forward, depending on the state that you're in. Now, federally, we're going to be able to carry that forward, and there's not going to be a, a cap on that. You can have a very, very large. Uh, loss, millions of dollars that you're going to be able to carry mm -hmm. forward each year. However, your state may have different specifications and, and you may have different taxes. So check with your individual state to understand what that is. Most um, states that don't have uh, you know any type of income tax, you're not going to have to worry about it as much as somebody a state that yeah. does. Now, so with the, with the tax loss carry forward, are, are, you, are you able to offset some of that tax loss carry forward against your ordinary income? No, you're gonna you're gonna only gonna do that against your capital gains. So right. when we're when we're looking at these cast these these loss and you're carrying forward. So keep in mind now. Let's say that same example. You have a ten thousand dollar loss or a gain. You have a much larger loss that you could offset. Let's say it's twenty thousand. You're only going to be able to use that ten to offset that, and then an additional three you're going to be able to use for that right. year. So you would actually show a uh, an additional three thousand dollar loss against your ordinary income, and then. That's or, what tax that was, or your taxable income. Yeah. And then the remainder of that, you're going to be able to carry forward. So you'd have $7,000 in that, that example that you carry forward to the following year. Right. And so a lot of moving parts and something to be cons considering. Now, what if you don't have any gains, you haven't done anything? And there's a lot of people out there that have not made any changes for the year. And I've, I've talked to a lot of them. Yep. And so now they're saying, well, what about um, tax loss harvesting right now? This is where I want you to be considerate of your your income bracket. So looking at your taxable income, so that's going to be the, basically you calculate your income minus your, either the greater of your standard or itemized deductions and from your adjusted gross income. And that way you're going to get your, um, what your taxable income is going to be. So when we look at that, if you're single and your income is less than 41,675 or eighty three thousand three hundred and fifty thousand for a married couple filing jointly your your taxable gain your your capital gains are going to be taxed at a zero percent interest so think about that you have a zero percent tax so in that example if you're just saying hey I'm making I made thirty thousand this year I only have ten thousand dollars of losses that I'm going to take you're not going to really be it's not going to be as advantageous uh, if you made ten thousand there's no sense in taking that loss because it's not going to matter. You're not going to pay any taxes on it anyways. You may want to wait to the following year and then take it in that year because then you'll have that, that you'll be able to offset something that would actually be taxed. Right. And again, this is, and this is also why you see at the beginning of the year, in the first five days of the year, you'll see typically selling mm -hmm. uh, in the first five days of the year because that's where portfolio managers, as an example, they take gains in stocks that they may not this year because <laughs> they may not have any. Yeah, there's but not a whole lot. In, in normal years, you'll generally see some selling in the first five days because they're taking gains in stocks because they don't have to pay taxes on those gains until the following year. So that gives them time for the rest of the year to do some tax loss harvesting, et cetera. So just as we move into the end of the year, I was kind of just throwing some softball questions out to you, Danny. Yeah, thank but, you. But, you know, it's important, you know, there's, you know, you know, you've got a couple of options. Like Danny said, you can offset immediately on some of your gains that you had earlier this year to lower your, your tax bracket on capital gains. Um, then also you can deduct up to 3000 a year on your ordinary income. If you don't have the, if you don't have any, a lot of people say, well, I don't have any gains. I've, I've only lost money this year. It's okay. 
still do some tax loss harvesting, get rid of your... And you're going to be able to carry it forward. Yeah. You know, get rid of the stuff in your portfolio that's just not working. Give yourself some opportunity to, to reposition yourself for the rally that we'll, we'll eventually get to. And then you just carry that loss forward. And then you can either deduct 3000 a year against your ordinary income or you'll have it to offset against future gains. So it's not, you know, it, it's not it, just because you look at your portfolio and you say, I just don't have any gains this year. It doesn't matter. Uh, reposition your portfolio, rebalance a bit, you know, uh, restructure yourself into a better position. And then you can use those those losses in the future. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is all, we're only talking about this only pertains to taxable accounts. So right, if you're right. an IRA, a 401k, doesn't it doesn't matter. do you a whole lot of good. But I did have a good question yesterday, Lance. We, we've been talking about this and they heard you talk about this Monday. They said, well, if you're going to tax loss harvest on uh, taxable accounts, what will happen to my IRA? Well, we're only doing with this with positions that we're likely either a likely going to be stopped out of. We don't like anymore mm -hmm. or, you know, we're going to be able to take that loss. And we feel like it's better to, to move out and then maybe go back and revisit or just get out of it altogether. Mm -hmm. And so this can pertain in that aspect. Like you mentioned, rebalance. It's a great time to, to look at positions just just aren't doing well and, and may not uh, turn here quickly in the future. Let's go ahead and move out. Yeah. So, but but again, you know, what we'll do, you know, in, in our in shop is that we'll do tax loss harvesting only in taxable accounts. And then we'll review all of our retirement accounts and say, there's a position in there that we like to your point. There's a position Correct. in there we just want to get rid of and we'll come back to it next year or when things start to improve. We just need to reduce some risk. And we've been talking about using this rally to reduce risk into. So, you know, that's what we'll do. And and we'll look at positions that just aren't working. And we'll sell those across all accounts. And then we'll do some tax loss harvesting in our taxable accounts um, to try to offset some of their other yeah. gains. So. so so speaking of the rally, and so I'm getting a lot of questions on this as well. We've had a really good week, week and a half. Mm -hmm. um, up 5% for the week. Yeah, we've got a, a you know bad news overnight or yesterday after the close. What markets are down a bit today. Does this change anything? No. Um, again, you know, kind of the key, as I was saying earlier this morning, the kind of the key here is, is that, you know, markets broke above resistance at 3,800. But it's important that we try to hold that by the end of the day, right? If we slip mm -hmm. back below 3,800, then, you know, potentially we're going to, you know, retest the 20-day moving average and we'll have to figure out from there where we go. Um, but if the market can kind of, you know, open week this morning, which won't be a surprise, and then we get some buying later on in the afternoon and we can kind of hold 3,800, um, we ran right into the 50-day moving average yesterday. So, again, a little bit of a sell-off this morning isn't surprising anyway, but the fact that we had bad earnings, that just kind of catalyzed the sell-off. Um, so, again, if we can can hold the 3,800 level, then that gives us an opportunity to, to try another attempt at breaking above the 50-day. Above the 50-day, then we've got a nice shot up to 3,900, 4,000. So, you know, that'll be about probably about the peak of where this rally goes to ultimately between now and year end. Now, again, starting in, the, in November, typically a stronger month. You've got a lot less mutual fund redemptions in November. Um, they don't have, there's only a few mutual funds that have November year ends. Um, you got a lot, you got about 20% of mutual funds that have year ends in December. So the first two weeks of December tend to be sloppy as well. So between now and the end of the year, you know, there's potential here for a bit of a rally as stock buybacks come back. You know, we get through earnings, we get through the Fed. If we get some good news from the Fed, there's 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 enough negativity and shorts in this market to provide some lift. And so we want to be a little bit careful about abandoning, you know, the markets too soon here. We do want to use this rally to reduce risk. And today will be a good day to maybe do a little bit of tax loss harvesting, as we were talking about, maybe doing a little bit of selling. Um, we'll see kind of how the market opens and then kind of acts, you know, later on in the morning. 
Yeah, but hey, so go sign up November 15th. Lance, Richard, myself, we're going to be doing a uh, what uh, at the end of the year looks like. And so doing an end of year review, uh, it'll be right after midterm. So we'll get a little bit of understanding as far as is there going to be gridlock, which likely would be good for markets um, and, and get a much better understanding as far as after earnings season, everything else that we're going through at the moment. And the Fed, well, they they will have talked yeah. that week, right? No, they uh, the Fed is next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay. And then on midterm election is the following Tuesday. So we'll have a lot to get into. We are taking your questions. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com to sign up. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be lots of stuff by then. And I'm even writing an article on midterm election outcomes. So we'll have that out before the conversation as well. So we'll have charts to go with it. All right. Perfect. (laughs) There you go. All right. That wraps up the show for today. Danny, thanks so much. Um, Get by the website. Get signed up for that event on November the 15th. It's our year-end market outlook and economic outlook as well. Um, Also, Three Minutes of Markets of Money will be coming up. Our latest blog post from Michael Leibowitz is out this morning on why the selling in bonds may be over. Has a lot to do with mortgages. So he goes into that. That's kind of an interesting article on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Send your questions and comments. Let us know how we can help you. Of course, if you need help, don't hesitate to schedule an appointment. Always happy to help. realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow.